Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Vanderbilt Thursday for Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzari Financial Services. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. We are about 48 hours away from Notre Dame taking on the Commodores 2-0. Notre Dame 2-0. Vanderbilt hasn't struggled in the least, neither offensively or defensively. And Notre Dame did last week against Ball State after putting up a a solid but struggling offensive performance in the second half against Michigan. Where is this team? You know, we, we talk about... Um, you know, things change every seven days. This is still the same Notre Dame team that, that built a that beat a good, solid Michigan team, right? Uh, but one that, that continues to struggle on the offensive line. Where is this team? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I used your 13 one-game seasons line in my mailbag this week because I, I do think it's interesting to look at um, second games where they've struggled in the past. Somebody brought up did Saturday have like a Purdue 2012 feel to it? And I didn't really think about it at the time, but that's possible. Um, but I think in the same ways that the first game of the season has been unbelievably predictive of the season overall under Brian Kelly, the second game has not really given you much insight into anything. Uh, if you look at Virginia in 2015, the Purdue in 2012, um, you know, I think even Georgia last year, um, you know, the yeah, offense couldn't do anything, and then they just started running over people for the next month and a half. So I I don't want to give Notre Dame a pass. I, I think that it has been refreshing this week to hear the players not sort of parrot some company line about, we are moving on to next week and not focusing on Ball State. Uh, Julian Love got up there and like, look, hey, honestly, let's be honest. We overlooked Ball State. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> like, yep, yeah, you did. But I think there's some significance to the fact that the players hey, can't acknowledge that because once once you can admit you have a problem, then you can solve the problem. So I'm somewhat optimistic that Notre Dame will be able to flush Ball State versus Vanderbilt. Does that mean that they can admit there could be an offensive line problem if you see anything similar this week? Now, look, we gave them the pass for Michigan, and probably rightfully so. I don't think an offensive line plays that badly against Ball State because they weren't up for Ball State. Now, as you guys have both pointed out, well, they might not have prepared very well for Ball State and what they were going to see from Ball State. That's a bad sign, too. So for me, when you say, what does this team have, I will tell you somewhere in the beginning of the fourth quarter after watching the offensive line play against Vanderbilt. Because even though Wimbush has some inefficiencies, I really believe more of Wimbush's problems are tied to an offensive line, because if the offensive line is good, Wimbush should be fine. If the offensive line is not good, he's in a world of trouble. Well, he's not a great decision maker either way. And but I'm when, saying he's going right. to be put in positions to have to make these decisions. Yeah. I, and his pocket presence was really not good at all last I don't week. know if I agree with that. You, you think Wimbush like, is a bigger problem than the offensive line? Yeah, yes. Okay. Um, and I think if the offensive line is shaky, forcing Wimbush to run, that's a positive in the end. So I I think that's, <laughs> so, yeah, that's so a better thing. So, so just struggle. scrambling I, is the way to win that. No, here, here's, would, would you prefer Wimbush to have eight seconds to make a throw 
I or don't. would you prefer to have four seconds to make a throw, and on the fifth second, he takes off and running? I would, I would prefer the second. I would prefer the offensive line blocks well so Notre Dame can run the ball as planned, and then he has time and yeah, play I don't, action. I don't, we're, I'm not we're, talking about just third and eight. We're quibbling yeah, about what's yeah. a bigger problem, and the, the, at the end of the day, they're both. it's both. Uh, yeah. You know, whether one's more than the other doesn't really matter. I tend to lean... To answer that question, I tend to lean more towards the offensive line because I mean that's your found that's the foundation of your offense, and you're not going anywhere in that unless that is. They're certainly intertwined. Leading the charge, yeah, they're, they're, they're intertwined. It doesn't matter which which more than the other unless they go to Ian Book and you know we were talking about before we we hit record that you know if it's a similar situation. Do they go to Ian Book? I would say yes. If the game's on the line, they go to Ian Book this week because the game's on the line. I think if there's turnovers involved, when you say similar situation, I don't just think any efficient offense that can't protect Brandon or doesn't block right. well means Ian Book. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, mistakes by Wimbush. At no point the... last week until like the very, very end of um, that series where you know the last intercept or incompletion of Mac, like that was the only point where I was like, yeah, they should really think about going to Ian Book because I think even the interceptions. One was just the unfortunate tip ball off the, the th- defender, then off Boykin. Like the third was pretty bad. The third was yeah. bad, but it was at the end. Yeah, um, that was the time I thought. Yeah, it wasn't be. like the LSU game where like this isn't good right now, and they should think about making changes. There was enough that Wimbush was doing right in the first half of the game where you're like, all right, work through this, see how it goes. Um, maybe the. I don't know. Maybe the the leash will be a little bit shorter on that this week. You you asked a question of Brian Kelly on Tuesday about I don't I mean I don't you didn't ask about panic button he he no. he, he he volunteered that but he you know it's, <laughs> did you press uh, your panic button Brian so are you interested so how in close pressing is the panic button yeah, how close <laughs> and is that panic button actually sitting on your desk okay. He said it is it is not and I get it I get the coach's perspective that you know it brings up what I said at the start that this is still the it's still the same football team that that put together a solid game plan and outcoached Jim Harbaugh and beat Michigan. I mean, beat them from start to finish. Um, you know, but by the same token, w- when you struggle like that against Ball State, and I, not not panic button, but but concern, certainly concern that you have to make some adjustments. Now, whether that adjustment means giving Josh Lug more snaps at, at right guard in place of Tommy Kramer, who continues to struggle to not only get to places on time, but to make quick decisions on time you put those two together and, and you've got a little bit of a problem and and if if Hainsey's banged up the solution is not putting lug at guard and Kramer tackle because Kramer tackles a bigger issue to put a bow on the leash thing I also think we can't know Brian Kelly often will be looking at the quarterback and saying from the whole week I thought his preparation was great we we're in tune with everything you guys don't see what I'm seeing on the field if he likes what he sees from Wimbush even if I don't know if he's lying when he says how much he's all the good things he sees from Wimbush because you do have to protect your quarterback in the media a little bit. If he likes what he sees from Wimbush, but there's, as you said, a tipped interception, there's an interception you can understand or something like that, mm-hmm. just because he has a couple bad stats, Kelly might now whether it's the right decision or not, Kelly might not feel like I need to pull him. Yeah, I think even so, the the first interception where he just threw it deep under extreme duress, I don't think that's a decision that would get you benched. Because the guy uh, might catch it. Yeah, yeah. The, the third one where you just don't see a defender, that's one that we give it. That was comparable to the first one at Stanford where he just threw it right to, I think it was Curtis Robinson. Well, it was comparable to um, Riley's throw on Elliott's second interception, yeah. I believe. That, I mean, it was... Oh, he was under extreme duress. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and just, like, got hit as he was throwing it and the ball sailed on him. That's, you know... 
pressure is important too. You have made the point though, Pete, that the worst throw of the game because decision and game timing involved was his last throw. Yeah, that could good. have easily been intercepted too. So that's a different world if that's intercepted. Yeah, see that that's a throw where I think like if you throw a bad pick on first and ten into double, that's like I don't know. Tim Brian Kelly brought up your baseball coaching acumen I, I again this week. <laughs> what was that about? I don't know. What's the the baseball thing I, like? Never get thrown out at third with I, one out or something like. <laughs> that's right. Is right. that what it is? Uh, with with zero outs or two outs? Yeah, that, yeah. I mean that that throw by Wimbush of the game was that baseball equivalent. <laughs> it was not good. Um, <laughs> I know you guys always when when he infrequently brings up my high school baseball coaching career because there's so many correlations, of course. <laughs> Players. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like, oh, geez. it's the double down equivalent of yeah. when you get someone yeah. gets buttered up for a good question. Right. You know the game. And you're like, yes, I do know the game. Yes. Brian Kelly so understands much. that I know Puff this your game. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you watch the tape. Yes, I do have a TV. <laughs> but so okay, so getting back to the whole panic button. I mean, this week would be a time to at least figure out where it is. That's what I would say about the panic button. If if Vanderbilt, line if Vanderbilt looks like Ball State in terms of the production of the offensive line, if you have plays where guys are just turned loose and you average two point eight yards per carry, then yeah, then I think you got you got to be like, and they yeah, run, we got to make a decision. And they run a three four also, which I asked Bars about. Does like was the identification of fronts an issue last week? And he said no. So that's what he said. I'm. And he knows way more about it than yeah, I do. Um, I'm not, I'm, but your your point that Vanderbilt runs a three four and Ball State runs a three four, you would think there would be some benefit to that. I just don't know how much the offensive line feels like that actually will be a benefit based on a short combo with bars yesterday. Yeah, and you would certainly think that that. Although I have to say, I, in addition to just complimenting Ball State for the way they played in general, I thought their linebacking core was really really good. They were very very productive. And Crum, their nose tackle, did a hell of a job, too. And the defense, the Rams defense, we haven't talked about yet, still playing very good football. Yeah, it's and that's why, and, and to me, that's, that's, the big, that's, that's, the big, that's the biggest reason why you don't press the panic button, because you've got a good defense. Yeah, and they're coming at you in waves. There's a couple plays where you just you saw one level, two level, three level. They're playing really, really quality football on the defensive side. The nickel front is fun to watch. Kareem, Tillery, Hayes, and Aquara. Coney is delaying pressuring late. He's Coney's having a really yep. good year pressuring the quarterback. Aquara, I don't know how many quarterback hurries or what stats say. That dude is a handful yep. every damn time they drop back to pass. He's he is a really really good. I'm not going to say great pass rusher because he's got to get to the yep. quarterback to be that. But man, he finds ways to put pressure on it at all yes, times. Impacts the game. Tiller, the Tillery's use of hands are, are so much better than they were before. He's so much stronger. They're re- they're really good. You know, I mean, the, the I thought Bonner played did a lot of good things, and I've been. I think Heinish has played really, really well. That's a pretty damn good duo. He's a solid duo now. That yeah, yeah it really is. The the speed nickel package. Riley Neal went four thirteen for forty seven yards, took a sack, and had one interception. It was pretty good. You know, they they actually converted a couple of first downs running the ball against it. Um, but I think you'll take that if the flip yeah. side is you cannot throw at all. The biggest issue is a backup to Tillery, and I know they can slide Bonner over there, and they might can do Treadway. Mike do Treadway is good when the when the place between the tackles. Yeah, that's why the third guy is. But any, that's the anything third outside anything outside the tackles, yeah. and then you know Adam Alola, I think continues to do some good things, but I I I, I don't think he he packs a real punch yet. His is more about. Um, 
agility and, and covering ground than it is uh, really packing a punch up front. So without MTA, that's a that's a little bit of uh, of a bad problem moving forward. They have yeah. to be prudent in getting Tillery rest yeah, they do. in the first half when they can't afford it sometimes in a close yeah. game. I mean, they legitimately rotated 10 guys last week if you're – if you get down to Jameer Jones, Jason Adamalola, and, and Mikey Dew Treadway, those were eight, nine, and ten. I want to ask first Brian quarter. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I want to yeah. ask Brian Kelly about Jameer Jones because he actually got in there before Ogun Digi, and Ogun Digi continues to do really good things in very limited time. I think that was a ball state package, though. Let's get they were all there at the same time. The three back, the three third string guys. It was probably like, all right, we're gonna get you guys in with was yeah. Dale and Hayes was in there with them, maybe, yeah. and it was just well, they they move Hayes inside. Yeah, yeah. it was more of a, you guys are getting this series. And you guys are going to get whatever series they got, as opposed to you're rotating ahead of the. Yeah, guy. no, yeah. that's that's probably true. But I mean, virtually. Whereas you can, when you look at the offensive line, it's like you really got to, Alex Bars is playing better than anyone by far. The D line, you got a whole bunch of people yeah, playing really, really good football. All different votes. You could get about ten of us together right. and not know who the because there's. We did Khalid Kareem has <laughs> been outstanding. Yeah. I mean, is he, he closes so. His, his closing speed and the play that he almost made, where he where he tipped the ball and yeah. then dove for it. Yes. I mean, yeah. that would have been that was that's an that shows you how how good he is. And the closing speed when he comes off a block, he's coming at you, man. And he and he and he narrows the path between him and the quarterback in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, I think overall the defense and like against the run in particular, they're they have not given up a twenty yard run yet, and I think. They maybe have only given up one 15-yard run. No, maybe? just 13 is the longest. 13 is the yeah, longest. And it's a, it was a um, quarterback yeah, scramble yeah. by Neal. Um, yeah, it's like if you strike quarterback scrambles, which are essentially our pass plays from the run defense, I they th- give up almost nothing. I think they've had seven runs of 10 to 13 yards, and three were by Riley Neal. So yeah. Four runs yeah, and, of 10 and, yards. And, 10 and, and Bilal, yards. Bilal continues to... You know, and again, I, I go back to he's well positioned sometimes because he's positioned get up field, okay, and he and he he does because a lot of times he's unimpeded, but he's played good football. There's nothing wrong with that. No, that's <laughs> yeah. those count too. <laughs> those yeah, count those, too. those yeah. count too. But that's that's more that's a scheme thing. Yeah. you know, more than anything. But uh, I think you, Tim, you would you would question Tranquil moving from Rover. Mm-hmm. Well, now that Bilal's playing he's well, playing better, you so get it. Yeah. But I but to have that sure tackler in the middle with. An incredibly sure tackler, about like Tavon Coney. I mean, that's a you know the linebacking core. The front seven has played really, really well. You'd like you're getting greedy now when you say, "Well, could could some of the depth play at linebacker?" But eventually, you're going to have to. Eventually, (laughs) yes, you're you're going to have to. But uh, you know, I did. The more you watch the game, the more you see mistakes of guys, and there's a couple shallow angles by Coney, but I think you can probably live with those. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be fine. Yes. Okay. okay. But if we watch Vanderbilt tape three times, we yeah. can see a mistake yeah. or two no from everybody climbing. No doubt. <laughs> well, we have, uh, not surprisingly, we have a bunch of questions, and we'll be back with segment two. Catanzarite Financial Services is a safe harbor providing guidance to clients on anything that affects them financially, including retirement planning, asset management, and estate planning. Catanzarite Financial Services also leads retirement planning classes in South Bend and Elkhart, Indiana. Log on to CatanzariteFinancialServices.com. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question to from Swarbrick for Prez. It has been reported that Quinn is not as technical in his coaching as he stand. Do you think that reflected in the play last Saturday, or do you think it was merely a lack of effort and intensity, or all of the above? 
I, you know, I think it was a combination of both. But I mean, we've we've talked about this many times about the technical aspects. I don't think, you know, I, the phrase I used was misplaced double teams. I don't don't think that they reacted well to those. I don't think that they the tackles have moved their feet very poorly. That's a technique issue. Um, you know, and then just not recognizing where the pressure's coming from, where a late blitz is coming from, which is difficult. I mean, every, every offensive line struggles with a with a, a, a late blitz from a linebacker. But I don't know. It's easy, you know, when you're when you're averaging two point eight yards a carry and one hundred twenty four rushing yards per game, and you had more than twice that the year before, everything looks bad. Everything's bad. Everything's a contributing factor to it, right? So you're saying the uh, late blitz that Quentin pick up. That Quentin Nelson had against Georgia, we're not going to see uh, see a replay of that. We have not seen anything close to that. No, there are. I, I agree that I think a lot of times the the stunts and twists, like I, a lot of the younger players, excluding Bars and Mustafa, really struggle to like, understand what the defense is trying to do, opposed to just executing whatever their assignment is. Um, I think that's something that the line can grow into, ideally through the course of the season. But um, I think in terms of the, the technical aspect, one, no one is more technical than Harry Easton. So, of course, Jeff Quinn is less technical than Harry Easton. That's fine. Um, and I think this question probably goes back to something. I think Alex Bars said early in camp about how Quinn was much more like motivational, big picture, just get your job done. But other linemen also said that that changed midway through camp, right. and then it became much more technique focus like he was concerned about energy at the beginning coaching that up and then it moved into technique so I think if the assumption is Jeff Quinn is not technical at all I think that's that's yeah that's you're un- really that's missing un- the that's point. unfair that's yeah. that's that's way too far I think the week of preparation is the effort because and and the lack of technical acumen at this point but I don't I can't imagine an offensive line plays more than one series of getting beat up front, whether or not intense and giving effort. But it's your practice week leading up to that that matters. That's It's not like the Notre Dame defense went out there and Riley Neal was driving down the field. They're like, oh, man, I guess we got to start playing football again. And they got all – it's your practice week that allows you to come hit the ground running in these games. So I think it's both. I don't think there's a lack of intensity in the game by the offensive line. I think they just got beaten. And if it's because of technical issues – or if it's because of foot speed at some positions. I just think they were beaten. But I think that they weren't prepared well either. Agreed. Well, that's the um, week of practice I'm talking about. Yeah. You, yeah, you can't you can't prepare Saturday morning. There are so many instances in that game where you watch a play that doesn't work, and you're like, wait a minute. you How, how did you try to block that? That doesn't make any sense. Are, um, you adding pra- are you adding coaching of Quinn that's not technical to this, or are you saying that's technical? Uh, I say that would be technical. Yeah, it's like I agree. we're this is how we're prepared to run this run play against this front because I, I think that's that's one of the aspects of offensive line play that I think is tricky for people to understand, including myself. Is if the defense lines up a certain way, you change what you're doing. You are in some ways being reactionary uh, to what the defense is doing, and if four guys react one way and a fifth guy reacts the other way, or the tight end missed reads it or you know doesn't align properly then everything gets screwed up and you know there's another question about this in a minute about like can you get out of that a little bit and just hit people well, but it's just it's just challenging to do if not everyone's on the same page that's where you know Eichenberg Kramer and Hainsey are depending upon the communication from bars and Mustafer uh, as far as like you know when when I, when Liam Eichenberg doesn't move his feet that to me says 
he has doubts about the situation that he's in. And that's going to happen for a guy with two, two career starts. When Tommy Kramer doesn't move his feet with all the experience that he has, I two starts I, at guard, right? I mean, two, yeah, two, yeah, I, I guess so. But guard's easier than tackle. I mean, Chip move, Long move, would disagree with you on that as far as moving feet, as far as guard being easier than tackle. He, he, are, I remember I, I talked about this at the bowl game. Okay, with, we're talking about, two, I think we're talking about two different things, oh, though. I guard, mean, he thought guard was harder to play than tackle from the perspective of. Understanding double teams, feel, okay. reading everything okay. like super right. quick. I, he would know, um, you know. I, but I'm, t- but you're. When, we all know that when you're out in tackle, yeah, tackle, you yeah, have more pass space, pro- and, pass right? You're and so then you're physically challenged. That's for a where it becomes yes, more you have a better athlete. Footwork issue. Well, whatever Chip says with regard to that, I, I get it. But I, you know, you still have basically three relatively inexperienced guys playing, and right now Kramer's probably second-guessing everything that he's doing because he's not moving well, and he's reacting slowly to things, and Hainsey's banged up, and Eichenberg has barely played, which is why we go back to, I mean, we go back to when you say, oh, they basically have four starters returning. No, they don't, and two, and, and, and they don't have Nelson and McGlinchey, which makes it that much worse, so... This line had I, two and a half starters returning. Yeah, but I, I that's think the way to describe it. the second part of what you said is what I've been trying to harp on. You could you could have four starters returning, but you lost Mike McGlinchey and Greg right. Nelson, and they're a hundred times better than right. the other starters. The were. best communicators. Yes. I mean, you know, the the they, ones that that maintain the composure the best on on every level. The ones rather, that are the most talented. Would you rather return two starters, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey? Or three and a half starters that aren't including those two guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's run yeah, left, man. That's, that's one way of putting it. Uh, what question are we on? We're on number two. Okay. SF Castillo, can we assume that a Haynes that Hainsey is injured and should he be replaced until he gets healthy? I would have to assume that Lug could do better at right tackle than an injured player that gave up seven hurries in the first half against Ball State. I don't know where that number came from, but yeah, I, don't, I mean he's not a hundred percent, but that's different from being injured. And I wouldn't this wouldn't if you're like. Give me your top three fixes on the offensive line. I'm not sure if replacing Hainsey would make the top three. No, I, you know, all we can really go on with Lug is his first performance against Michigan. And then, so after having watched it a couple times, I didn't think he had a whole lot of hesitancy. He did get beat on that that one time. uh, Yeah, he, he, I mean, he whiffed. He flat out whiffed. But I'm looking at, what I'm looking at is, how do you get off the snap of the ball? How aggressive are you? How physical are you? I thought he was all those things. Lug, you're saying right now. I'm saying yes, Josh Lug, yeah. yes. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think I agree. I don't think Hainsey is on the priority list. I don't think replacing him is is in the top two. I think I thought Hainsey did not look comfortable in his pass drops, pass sets, and I thought he always looked comfortable in his pass sets last year. Maybe it's because the coaches told me how good he was at it, and it now, was confirmation time, bias. Now, the first time we yeah. saw him at Culver yeah. last year, I was like, think man, looked, that dude's good at that. I didn't think he looked comfortable. But yeah, no, I agree. Doing that. I agree. So that would be one. I don't know what that. I, but as Pete said, it's not a, it's not an injury where an offensive lineman can't play, but it could hamper him. Offensive linemen play hurt all the time. We don't know the severity of this, the degree of this injury. But he so is not 100%. He's we know not that 100%. Because yes. of the word salad also that we got yeah. about how they have to protect him, and he's only 295 pounds and whatever that is. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, if he's good at 295 pounds, you're not protecting yeah, him. Right. So that was a strange one. But, uh, yeah, I, don't, I think, do you guys think, Lug, that's, here's the question, will Lug get more rotate in at guard? He may. I mean, I there may, like there may be, yeah, there may be, there may be, look, 
we knew going into camp that it was still a lug Kramer battle. Or, or right? What, what would be? I, I was um, I was told that. Yeah, and then when Hainsey was was hurt, then Lug got a ton of work. Um, right, but the solution Banks is hurt, not Banks was hurt at the time too. The yeah, yeah with the elbow. Yeah. Number like my number one thing I would like to see from the offensive line is Josh Lug play more to get to the, the root agree. of this question. Yeah. All right, we've got several offensive line questions, so we better move <laughs> forward. Uh, R Wild underscore Scout. Given the footwork feed footwork slash foot speed issue. With the current offensive line, should the coaches switch to more of a downhill running scheme with less pulling? I don't know how much you can pull Tommy Kramer to the left and be successful. I think Tommy Kramer, once he gets his hands on you, does well, a good have job. We, have so. we seen a successful play with, with Kramer on the move? Laterally. Not I don't think. It would have to be in the Michigan game, right? We can I'm na- sure we, there's been one. You yeah, can, I'm sure, I'm sure there's too, been yeah. one, but you can envision four to six that did not work out right. well. Um, well, my answer to this question is always yes, because I would enjoy the well, downhill running not, scheme, yeah, but I am not an offensive the, line coach that you know, can tell you what's Ball what State. Ball State was where you should be able to physically overpower. Yeah. I'm not, not sure you're just going to line up against Vanderbilt and blow them off the ball. SEC team. Yeah, I mean, this question implies that like if you just played Neanderthal football, <laughs> you'd have no problem. Which Last I, week. Which, which I, don't, I don't think that's even true against Ball State. Like. I don't think they can just blow people off the ball because then the defense is like, well, you're just doing a downhill running scheme. We're going to attack it this way. Like, hello. That, that just it's, it's just way too simplistic of a, it, uh, out, it an is. outlook. It isn't is. It? But when, when Ball State's three man front average is 277, yeah. you can do less you pulling know, of, your guard, of your guard that's less comfortable pulling. Right? Yes. But there's logic involved, too. You don't have to have everything sure. in the playbook that you thought was going to work. You yeah. Just, yeah. So there's yes and no. Yeah. It, it, at, you can always be more physical. Yeah. <laughs> at Dan underscore Brian 21. After what you've seen these first two games, what do you expect Nordheim's rushing yards to be per game? Is 200 a game close to realistic? No. Yeah, I mean, you, you've done the math already on this. They would have they to, can't well, get there. they would have to average 213 a game over the last 11, including the bowl game. And there's too many teams that have to good reach. rushies that will stop yeah. that, yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that's, I mean, I, it does one it. team that has real rush offense problems. I mean, that's the issue, I think, is more Notre Dame, not who they're playing. Yeah, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was going to go so far below, but then you remember that Wimbush may be getting 50 to 55 to 60 yards a game because they're yeah. going to need it. So that bumps it up a little bit. But I'm still only in the in the 165, 170 range I don't for the year. I mean, just to kind yeah, of think about I mean, it that way. Right, you know, they need a good, they need a game in which they they run block well. Yeah, the, I, I don't, right. it, you know, the numbers are. This is so. This game is so intriguing to me. If I if they are not blocking well into the fourth quarter against Vanderbilt and Wimbush isn't making good decisions, then we know it wasn't just a lack of pre- wasn't just a lack of preparation. That's will be who they are. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's every level of opponent will have been yeah, faced. Your identity <laughs> is not. set, whether you like it or not. Sometimes you your identity prove. isn't always a positive. See what happens when you when you win a game like you did in the opener, and then you move up to number eight. It's like okay, all the concerns in August are forgotten. What were we talking about throughout August? The chemistry of the offensive line, not having McGlinchey and Nelson. Jeff Quinn is the offensive line coach. Brandon Wimbush is a decision maker. Brandon Wimbush is a passer of the football. Absolutely nothing has changed with regard to that. Fortunately, they beat Michigan and found a way to beat Ball State. Yep, that's really number eight in the country. But it's it's exactly where we thought the offense. Would be, could be, after two games. We thought the numbers would be better against yeah, Ball State. Yeah, I thought the numbers would be better. But as far as our perceptions throughout August, and really, frankly, coming out of the spring, 
nothing has changed offensively. Yeah, the concerns that we actually, had then are the concerns we have now. Actually, I think the wide receivers are better, have been better and more productive than we anticipated. That 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 would be the one. And Jafar Armstrong is a, is going to be a legitimate running back. I think is going to be a good running back. Um, and he, he's going to play hard. We didn't know any of that stuff about him. We had just hoped. That yeah, we, right, we thought he. Right. We, you I and think, I love Jafar Armstrong, but I think the wideouts, no the, the, the three starting wideouts, are averaging eighteen yards per catch. Yeah, think so, think is up his game. I mean, Fink made the play of the year so far. So you would not have said that going into the first two games. Fink, right? Fink is the one guy I'd point to and be like, this is a guy that surprised me. Everything, everything else that we've talked about is like, this is kind of how I thought it was going to go. Boykin's evolving. Boykin had five catches in the third quarter. Yeah, you know, he, all six of his catches came in the second half. That became State. Inten- he came back to the football. He did, he did some really good things. That became intentional. I think that was Chip Long saying, all right, you got to get involved here. Man. Yeah. This is because... Was he targeted in the first? He was targeted once in the first half, right? And then it was just all of a sudden five in the third yeah. quarter, and it yeah. was, yeah. And he he's he is so much faster than he used to be. Just watch that. It's amazing what his training that yeah that Bayless program was, has done for him. Yeah, talking to people done. around the weight room in the summer, they said like he's right there with Claypool in terms of overall athleticism, and I I didn't believe them when they said it, but. You know, he's yeah. he's totally legit. All right, yeah. should we move on to segment three, non-offensive yeah. line questions? Right. <laughs> questions. Jack, Jack writes, that ends all the <laughs> offensive line questions. Uh, threat level midnight 44. The defense was gaslight last week late in the game. Is there a plan to rotate defensive linemen and linebackers in order to get guys some obviously needed rest? Pete, how many linebackers have subbed into the game for Notre Dame through two games? Zero. Not one <laughs> linebacker. So, yes, the answer to threat level midnight 44 is yes. They need to rotate but some not, But D-line, they're... They're plenty I mean, rotating. Plenty. Yeah, 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 you know, and, a lot and of if, if if Bonner and Heinish weren't playing as well as they are, we probably would have seen Franklin by now. I, you know, I think that backup three technique is a, is a bit of an issue, but they're playing a lot of guys. Jameer Jones got in. Uh, Ogundiji's playing good football. Yeah, uh, their their DNs are playing really good foot. Hayes is all over the place. Aquari can Kareem. The D-line rotates liberally. Studstill has gotten in in non-nickel situations both games, right? Just in the yeah, 10 snap range. Yeah, three, three snaps against Michigan, nine against Boston. Yeah, all right, that's good. Studstill, nine snaps, right? That's Houston Griffiths coming in for Nick Coleman at times, which odd times, of course. But uh, Nick Coleman, I, I'm pretty sure, just got benched in the game because he allowed really? outside contain uh, or he lost outside contain. We were trying to figure it, out. Yeah. 18 yard. I didn't see it when we were watching well, the game. Kareem, could... that was a play. He, uh, he got around Kareem and then he got around Coleman. Yeah. Too. And then immediately Coleman was out and Griffiths played the rest of the game. We should point out that benching will not last. Otherwise, we would not have talked to him last night. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. the guy, for, the guy <laughs> yes. forced an interception and I thought overall played really, really yeah, well. Yeah. He just had that one mistake. But yeah, there were. I think they're rotating just fine up front. I mean, even Jerry Tillery, he played 74 snaps against Ball State. <laughs> Ideally, they'd like to keep that in the high 50s, but for one week, that's okay. Yeah, against they, Michigan, nobody went above Kareem's 54. They didn't. They don't have MTA. You can't expect Tillery to play 57 snaps for week two. Right. I mean, unless yes. you're killing Ball State. <laughs> in a close game against Ball State, you can't expect that to be the Not situation. in a 97-snap game. Right. So Now, if MTA was there... They'd be even rotating more liberally up front. Stu Joe 11, with tight ends struggling to block and commit likely out this week, is there an opening for Brock Wright to get some action at that position? Yeah, I mean, there's an opening. Um, I think that the staff sees Wright more in the fullback role. I'm I'm not sure how much they see him as like a a true tight end. I don't think they, I don't think they, I don't think Chip Long does at all. I I think Nick Wisher is going to be playing more. That's, that's, that's what it is. That's the immediate But certainly there are, especially when you're struggling around the football, there are certainly, there should be a lot more opportunities for Brock Wright to contribute in that respect. But they don't, they look at Brock Wright as stiff. 
you know, not like the like not like the you know pass catching tight ends that have. No, he's not as athletic as Alex no. Mack or Cole Komet. No, he is not. <laughs> or, 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 or Nick Wisher. Or Wisher. Be, yeah, or yeah, Wisher. Nick Wisher's in his just isn't. Uh, Wisher, just from talking to him the whole, as the tight ends representative for all of August, talking to Nick Wisher multiple times, yeah, I really think that he is, he's more of an inline blocker right now than he ever has his been. Block, yeah. His block on, I mean, it's just a, a play that we'll all forget, It was, but it was an 18-yard run by Tony Jones, kind of in the shadow yeah, of their yeah. goal that was Nick Wisher. That was Nick Wisher's block. So he's the, that to happen. he's coming in for commit this week. I, I like the Brock Wright eye formation situation because that goes to my whole yeah. I like to run downhill and do stuff yeah. like that. So the, on occasion, I do think they'll, maybe they'll feature that a couple a little bit more outside of the goal line. Yeah. Way to go, K Man. Twitter. Do you expect more of a QB by committee this week with Ian Book actually getting meaningful snaps? Mm, I wouldn't say maybe. committee. I would not say committee, but I could see him getting meaningful snaps. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I mean they're yes. going to play at the same time. Committee, yeah. <laughs> that what you mean. Well, co- committee was committee was. Uh, they tried know, that with Malik and Kaiser. Deshaun you're right. Committee was Kaiser uh, against Zaire. Duke. Yeah. Conveniently, that was not great. <laughs> yeah, there won't be the no. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could have. But certainly, there's a more there's more of a sense of urgency that hey, if this you know if if the decision making doesn't improve by Wimbush, we've got to throw we got to get at the very least you got to get book in there to. I think he will in the next two weeks. How's that? I can't guarantee. This, I mean, look, Notre Dame's defense is good. They could hold Vanderbilt to 16 points easily. The offense should score in the 21 to 24 range. And what if the defense puts them in possession for more touchdowns? You don't even need to worry about it. Like, has Wim, it last six games, would you describe Brandon Wimish as like he played well in any of this? Well, last six games is his worst. I know that's relevant, but I'm saying that's. But it's like, isn't it like, fool me once? Shame on you! Yeah. Fool me six times. Shame on me! Like, isn't that the saying? Like, at this, at this point, like, you know what Wimbush is and is not. Brian Kelly said it. We all took that as a positive. Um, if you get in a game situation where you have to throw it a little bit more, he's making bad decisions. Like, don't you have to to go with Book? At that yeah, point? I think Book it will get meaningful snaps because he has to in the next two in one of the next two weeks, yeah. if not both. And then I promise you, he will. Three weeks from now, you got to be ready for Stanford and Virginia Tech with Ian Book. I mean, he has. Like, you might point, just need him. At some point, isn't it like a sharpness issue? Like you want to get him prepared for right. when you really, right. really need it. Yeah, and you also want to. You also want the defense to have a little bit more to think about. That's what I Ian think. Book, I don't yeah. mean you have to bench Brandon Wimbush and not use him. I'm right. saying you need to use it's, Ian Book because his it, strengths are different. It's. It, we've talked about this before. It's so difficult to f- strike that balance. You know, you can say, "Well, you play more than one tailback." It, it's just. It's not the same. But you've got to find a way to do that because your starting quarterback, there are a lot of things that he can't do consistently. Right. I don't. I. I, I know it's rarely done well, but this seems like the one instance. This seems like an instance they could conceivably use two quarterbacks because one of them isn't proficient where they need him to be. Yep. Right. And it's not like Book is slow. Book still runs the offense. Well, and that's he knows where I, exactly that's where I, when to run, and he gets those mm-hmm. yards. That's where I argue with you, Pete. That I that I you know I, I I think that he can throw the ball downfield a little bit further than maybe he's given credit. I for. I think Pete's going with stats from last year that he wasn't successful throwing downfield, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. His not, his yeah. And you know, that's so seventeen that's, so seventeen yard passes are you, you, those aren't good. Those aren't things that you need that, as those a, count too for seventeen right. yards. Yeah, no, that's my whole point. Yeah, I mean, just I game plan would have to be yeah, a little I don't, different. I'm not saying twenty seven. I'm saying week. seventeen. Speaking of game plan being a little different, this this came up on our board, and I don't really think we addressed it enough. Um, somebody said obviously during the 
you know, if you look at a message board during the game like that, replace Wimbush, bench Wimbush, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I, that's not the point. Somebody pointed out, you know, it's not it's not all Wimbush, it's the offensive line, which he's right, but they said if you're going to bring in Ian Book, you better get a whole new offensive line. I think the way Ian Book operates quickly is what, at times, the offensive line needs. Plus, he'll step up. He'll step up in the pocket. Plus, they'll know where he is in the pocket, and the ball comes out faster. So I think, at times, you have got to use Ian Book this year to continue with And his read option skills would open up other things in, within your passing game. So he's starting is what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> we really. Right. Talk to ourselves in yeah. this one. All right. At, at Bryant Swint, biggest surprise so far this year, play of offensive line or play of safeties or something else? I like this question. I think the safeties probably yeah, but, the bigger surprise to me. Yeah, because um, Elliott really is. Yeah, I mean, I thought the offensive line would struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe, nah, not as much as they have. We can't. I don't know. It's just like it's one's a positive, one's negative. Those are like, what's the biggest positive surprise? Safeties. What's the biggest negative? Offensive line. Which one's more drastic from neutral? I'm I'm not really sure. I would say safeties. Okay. I think that's. I think because we we anyway anticipated some chemistry issues with the offensive line. I think. I mean, Gilman and. Is that this? Is that Jalen? Is that really Jalen Elliott yeah. of of last I year? No, I mean, that, not of last that, year. It's not. No, that is that is a that's not that's just not, not just good play. That's a good that's a good college football player. My, he, he's played that way so far. Yeah. My biggest surprise this year in the negative. Well, I agree with safeties. By the way, in the negative is one touchdown and four interceptions total through two games for Brandon Wimbush with about sixty yards rushing. Right, because he didn't have any yards rushing this past game yeah. until. You got to take the sacks out. I understand that, but he still would have only had 15 yards rushing, right? Yeah. That's so that is my biggest surprise. I would have thought that, considering the opponents, you could be at five and four if you had a bad day, right? That Brandon mm-hmm. Wimbush would be breaking free and riddling defenses. Well, he better get back into the frame of mind that, when in doubt, run because that's why he's the starting quarterback more than anything else. Mm-hmm. The, the, what he did last week, and you know, yes. this debate about what, well, who decided. He, I, look, we're here to tell you that he had 18 read options, and he handed every one of them off. That was not by design. The coaching staff did not tell him, "Don't run." I think I saw Chip Long sneak onto the field and actually prevent him from running some. <laughs> now, did they cut? Now, okay, did they? Right. Did they call right. a lot of design runs? Nope. Absolutely not. So that was their that was their way of saying, okay. This is Ball State. We don't want him getting a lot of hits. Which is very smart. Right. That's fine. Let the read option be the running. But they did not say don't keep on the read option. Okay? So let's just put that whole line of thinking behind us because that was Brandon Wimbush making that decision, and that's not what the coaching staff wanted. This question will be should be asked again after week three because we expected the offensive line to struggle in week one, and we did that in week two. We have a tiebreaker coming up. Mm, yeah. That's fair, right? I mean, you you thought they'd struggle in week one for sure. nine months. I mean, we did yeah. not think that was humanly possible. In week and two. fortunately, they had. I mean, they had three touch. These count too. They had three touchdown drives in the first half. Yeah. That's where the game was won. Seavers C. Why can't Notre Dame recruit a top-rated quarterback and running back? Why can't Notre Dame develop quarterbacks? The last really good quarterback was Jimmy Clausen. Brandon Wimbush was the third-ranked quarterback in his class, right? Yeah. These are separate questions. Phil Jakovic is yeah. kind of rated high too. Now the, the the second part about developing them, okay, that's. I mean, it's not like Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire were two star recruits either. No, they Kaiser were both was four star prospects. Kaiser was at least four. Just off the top of my head, Kaiser was about fourteen, and Zaire was a top. Well, was, he was rated as a dual threat, but he was a top five dual threat. Well, that was silly. He, it was, he, but he was a three. He was never a four star quarterback. They're separate questions, school, but, but they're they no, recruited no. highly rated quarterbacks, yeah. and other than Kaiser, the development. 
has been important to Chunk. The last really good quarterback. Deshaun Kaiser's 2015 doesn't count as a really good quarterback. Yeah, it's not that long ago. 31 touchdowns. Well, because he's looking at then he didn't play as well the next year he gained weight and whatever. There are yeah. other reasons. But I think this is like, you know, play well and finish playing well when you're. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's when you're Why can't they earning. just get somebody like Baker Mayfield, who was a walk on at two schools to play? And win the Heisman. Why can't the, they do that in the first pick in the NFL yeah. draft? <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, the no. I mean, I, I, I get you know the running back thing is that's different. That's the running back a, is right. legit. The only yeah. legit part on yeah. the running back because like yeah. running backs, running backs are more like basketball recruits where like you know it coming out of high school and they're probably going to be good in college. Quarterback, there's just a million variables. Well, Dexter, I mean Dexter Williams was he was four star running back himself. Yes, yeah, yeah he was. Adam, Adams was too. I kind of want to throw out, like, how much do you think the running back would be different, running game would be different if Dexter Williams was playing? Yeah, that would be better. That's, I think he no, that's a legitimate question, and yeah. we're getting, we're slowly but surely yeah. getting closer. <laughs> Not closer. Yeah. He's going to magically appear in our yeah. lives in the Stanford yeah. game. <laughs> it's so weird. All right, we have, <laughs> we have one more question, and it's from our, uh, our friend Statman72. Notre Dame has led for about 116 out of 120 minutes in the first two games. And never trailed. Will the Irish trail Vanderbilt at any point? If so, how late in the game do you expect that to occur? Uh, maybe they trail. I mean, you could easily maybe. trail. I don't know. They always take the ball to start yeah. the game, and they usually, they pretty much always score. So, no, they won't. They won't trail in this game. And so, it, the second part of the question is invalid. It will be. <laughs> it's impossible for it to be late because it will never have occurred. They will trail at one point, but it won't be late. Yeah, and, my, uh, I, and I want to tell Statman72 that I'm going to add up exactly how long they've been ahead in the first 120 minutes, and I'm going to steal that stat and use it for my numbers-crunching story Saturday morning. So thanks for thanks for, thanks for playing. Do we want to make a prediction on the game? Oh, yeah, we have that. Who are they playing again? <laughs> Nameless, faceless opponent. We, we, still, so well, well, so we, we still yeah. have not mentioned Kyle Shermer. Have we mentioned his name? 30 career starts. All right, 30 career starts. 30 career starts. I mean, a guy, yeah, I mean, a guy that's not going to necessarily light it up. I don't think they want to. They don't want to throw it 35 times. A legit coach's son. Yes. Like, not just like, <laughs> just he's the like JV it. coach in my small town. Yeah, his dad's Is that your favorite coaching coach? Yeah. He's a coach's son. Well. <laughs> I mean, in this instance, yep, yep. Yeah. He's Pat, a coach's son. For the record, Pat Shermer is the head coach in New York Giants. Yeah. He is the father of, of Kyle Shermer. And they do have, you know, they do have... Uh, Lipscomb, the wide receiver, he is a he's a weapon. They're tight end. Keyshawn uh, Vaughn's good running back from Vaughn, Illinois. Vaughn, recruited him. Vaughn's a good running back. Uh, they're tight end. Pinkney, Brian Kelly said NFL prospect. Um, Sixteen tackles and, for loss in two games. Yeah, nine Trello. sacks and and, uh, and and six turnovers. Yeah, forced in two games. So now I wouldn't I wouldn't take a real deep dive into. Uh, the rushing stats of Middle Tennessee and Nevada because right. they want to throw it, and so they they weren't going to you know they didn't allow much rushing yards there. Well, those teams don't want they aren't going to rely on the running game a ton anyway. Uh, notable Vanderbilt wins last year. Could you name the teams that they beat? They beat Kansas State. Yep, yep. And then they got then well they were three and zero. They had beaten Kansas State, and it was their second ever win against a Power Five program on the road. With the first one being in 1946, so there's the stat for you. I read that. So, it was Middle Tennessee State yeah. and Tennessee, yeah. Alabama A&M, Alabama A&M, Kansas State, and Western Kentucky. They were three and zero when Alabama came in, and it was fifty nine to nothing. Yeah, but that's also irrelevant to today's game. That Alabama uh, beat well, fifty nine. Derek Mason against the top fifteen is zero and ten against the top ten, zero and five. And in those five games, he's been outscored by an average of forty two point six to eight point eight. 
And the former Vanderbilt defensive tackle, after beating Kansas State, talked trash on film about bring on Alabama. <laughs> you after, think they even cared? After, <laughs> right. Yeah, what, who we playing? Yeah. But after he made those statements, I mean, the, uh, Alabama rushed for like 496 yards. Vanderbilt lost five in a row, seven out of eight. <laughs> And finished under 500 for the fourth straight time on. Look, this on, game falls under my category of what are we doing here? It's Vanderbilt at home. If you can't beat Vanderbilt at home, what are we doing here? We spend way too much time on Oregon. And despite, Ome- yeah, and I, I agree. And despite O'Malley's against the spread stats, which are 0 and 8, Brian Kelly favored by 10 to 20 points at home against a Power Five team. It's impossible to be owned, covering the spread. They've only lost yeah. two of the games, Duke and um, Northwestern, which is a okay. rough one. But, uh, yeah, so 0-8. Uh, they're 3-13 and against any team at home when favored by 10 to 20 points. So that throws in all the Navies and the Air Forces. Mm-hmm. Air Force was one of the wins. Uh, they got a Navy win in there. They played actually a really good Navy team that Keenan Reynolds senior year was one of those wins. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, I point that out because they're much better than this Vanderbilt team, that Navy, that Navy squad. But, you know, this is the game when we did our preseason picks that – I thought would be the lingering effect of Michigan, uh, even though it's two weeks away, because I erroneously felt that they would roll through Ball State. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, it's hard. Notre Dame doesn't always handle success exceptionally well in the Kelly era. They are not coming off success at this moment. They're obviously they're going to have a, a really good week of practice. I don't. I stick by the fact I don't think an offensive line can improve that much in one week because I think there's a lot of issues going on personnel, technique, uh, communication, everything. So I just, until I see Notre Dame do it, I'm not giving them a 30-point total in any game. I'm going to, it was 28-16 in the preseason. I'm going to crunch it to 27-17. What do you you have? What's the line? 14. 14, so they'll win by 13. Yeah, yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw thirteen yeah, and a half yeah, today. Yeah, so yeah, 20, 27, 14. Well, okay. I didn't. I didn't. So we're the same like-minded yeah. score here. I didn't give Vanderbilt much respect during the summer with the the you know rating by position. They only had twelve stars returning, five on defense. You got a lot of new faces. As much as people want to see, you know, you, you'll believe Notre Dame when you see it, Tim. Yeah. I believe Vanderbilt when I see I, it I when they come into Notre Dame Stadium and do it. I'm not saying these eight teams that came into Notre Dame Stadium that covered. They weren't all that good. Right. Right. I'm not sure how good this Vanderbilt team is. And I think the first two games kind of skew that a little bit, like always. Yes. But, yes. Um, and uh, I'll have my preview on Friday, but I am likely going to pick Notre Dame to cover because I think Notre Dame's going to play very well, and I think they'll expose some of Vanderbilt's experience issues coming into this season. That's All right. Okay. What will the tone be Monday? Work for you guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but we'll be. We don't know what the tone will be, but we'll be here to talk about Run the game tone. all better now. Yeah. <laughs> everything, everything is great. <laughs> all right. We want to. We want to uh, thank you all for joining us. And this has been the latest uh, from Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzarite Financial Services. Tim and I will be. Uh, uh, we'll talk to you Saturday earlier. Earlier, two thirty kickoff Eastern Time. We'll talk to you Saturday before the Nordame Vanderbilt game in Nordame Stadium. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.